Welcome to The Edge by MGR with your host, David Gill. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Edge podcast by MGR. Your host, David Gill, here. I hope everybody's having a fantastic week. I certainly am, as always. We've got quite a few things to talk about this week uh, in the tech and marketing space. One might even call it the MarTech space. I get, I hear this term being thrown a lot around a lot these days. MarTech. It's becoming kind of a buzzword, but uh, anyways, we can call it MarTech. Whatever. We're going to talk a little Amazon, as always, because they seem to be getting bigger and bigger in the marketing space. I wanted to discuss a little bit of Super Bowl recap from last weekend, because that is like the ad agency's Super Bowl, literally. And I don't mean that as like a pun, but uh, just like the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl for everyone. For ad agencies, it's a big weekend, too, so I just wanted to take a quick look at that. And then I also wanted to talk about Twitter and Snapchat very briefly kind of discussed because they both reported numbers um and then the major topic is spotify making big moves in the podcasting space saying that they're no longer a music company they're now an audio company so we're going to talk about all those things uh yeah let's get started you ain't got no money i ain't got no time all these faces looking funny when I'm driving by. So the first thing I wanted to discuss was Amazon's ad push and ad platform becoming more and more prevalent. They are really, really taking it, especially to Google uh, on the advertising front. They've expanded their display ad network a ton. That is something that Google has really dominated for years. Amazon, no, sorry, Google has had the biggest display network for advertising for a long time. They acquired DoubleClick. Uh, they just, they've been the dominant force. And Amazon is really trying to expand their own display ad network to compete heavily with Google. But the biggest place that Amazon is fighting Google in the ad space is directly on Google's bread and butter, their home turf in search, specifically the looking to purchase, I guess you could say search, which is obviously the most valuable. Amazon isn't trying to compete as a search engine for when people, you know, search what's the distance from Earth to Mars or things of that nature Amazon isn't concerned with. But when it comes to searching for products or product reviews or anything that has to do with buying something online, Amazon is definitely trying to take those customers, those searches. And there was a report that came out that said about 45% of all product searches now take place on Amazon, not Google which is a big deal. Obviously, purchase searches is where people are going to, where advertisers are going to spend money on pay-per-click the most, more than anything else. And there are certain advantages if you're selling your products on Amazon as an advertiser to advertising through Amazon or shifting some of your budget 
towards Amazon search ads versus Google search ads that have become more apparent. Uh, one of those being that if you're spending more money on Amazon search ads for product searches, then one, you're going to probably convert higher because they're already on that buying mode when they're on Amazon. Two, you're going to get more reviews. And that's a big uh, crucial thing that companies are always fighting for is to get more and more product reviews because the more product reviews you get, typically the higher you're able to convert more customers in the future. And so you're going to get more product reviews once more people buy your products. And on top of all that, the more that people buy your products on Amazon, the algorithms, the Amazon algorithms are going to reward you so that especially if you're converting higher with those newer reviews, the Amazon algorithms are going to reward you and your product and rank it higher in categories. You could become a Amazon's choice if you're at top 50 in a specific category and you get that little Amazon's choice banner, which again gives you an even higher conversion rate. And the higher that conversion rate is, the more sales you do, the higher your product rankings will be organically. So then in the long term, you can actually spend less on Amazon advertising, uh, on Amazon search ads. So that is the reason why a lot of companies, especially the companies who sell on Amazon, are looking to move a lot of their budget away from Google and towards Amazon. And this is something that Google kind of was overlooking for a while and now is very aware of and are very concerned with, you could say. Uh, they very much are aware of this fight that Amazon is bringing and they realize that they're going to have to double down and really see how they can fight Amazon because search is Google's home turf. This is their bread and butter, their moneymaker. It has been for 20 years. They do not want to give that up easily. And then on top of all of this, you have the fight for voice between Alexa and Google Assistant uh, that really down the road, voice could be the next huge ad platform, uh, ad medium that everyone is fighting over. And in this case, Amazon has been on the forefront with Alexa and instead of trying to play catch up like they are now. So this is something to definitely keep an eye on if you're an advertiser or if you're in marketing, because this battle is very prevalent and it's something that you should be aware of and taking look at, taking a look at if you're spending money on search ads which almost every business does at this point okay next up i wanted to discuss the super bowl ads or i guess which of the super bowl ads from last weekend did the best which was the most successful uh, obviously, this is always hard to tell because the Super Bowl is very much a branding play, but we can kind of look at the numbers a little bit. And if you look by the numbers, the Bud Light ad featuring Game of Thrones, uh, if you did not see it, I'll put a link, but basically, um, in the podcast description, but basically, it was the Bud Light Night, I guess, uh, which is kind of a mascot that they've used in a lot of their other commercials. 
was basically killed by the Game of Thrones dragon that came flying in while the Game of Thrones uh, music started playing. And then it was basically a collaboration ad between Bud Light and Game of Thrones because at the end uh, it also advertised the new Game of Thrones season that was coming out. Um, the ad got hundreds of thousands of mentions on Twitter and Facebook. And if you look at the analyzed sentiment, which I forget uh, who gave this number, but again, I'll put the the link in the description uh, or in the show notes. The ad sentiment was analyzed to be over 90% positive of people who were talking about it. So that's a big win for Bud Light. Uh, that I watched it. It was it was fine. It was it was pretty creative, I guess. It was kind of witty, and then obviously, you know, it used the Game of Thrones property that if you are a fan of, you are probably surprised to see because you weren't really expecting it in this ad. Uh, but my prediction, and I mean, we've seen movies and TV shows kind of collaborate uh, in ads before with products, but a lot of times it's kind of just. Uh, you know, oh, like I remember Nissan did a thing when the Rogue One Star Wars movie came out a couple of years ago. Uh, they have the Nissan Rogue car, and it was an ad for a Nissan Rogue. And at the end, it said, you know, it had some like Star Wars thing, and it was like, oh, also go see Star Wars in theaters. But it wasn't really integrated, if that makes sense. This ad was very much the entire creative was integrated. It had the Game of Thrones dragon fighting the Bud Light guy. So anyways, uh, my prediction is I would expect to see a lot of companies collaborating more closely with popular TV shows and movies uh, in this way, really integrating the creative together to advertise their products in the near future based off the success of this because uh the ad world is very much a copycat game and when one formula is successful uh, i can pretty much guarantee you that you will see a lot of other companies trying to copy that formula very soon so that's my prediction based off of super Bowl weekend so congrats to belight on what looks like uh the best performing ad of the super bowl so Next up, let's talk a little bit about Snapchat and Twitter. Uh, more specifically, Snapchat, but we'll, we'll brush over Twitter a little bit too. Um, both companies reported numbers, so I wanted to talk about Snapchat a little more specifically because I talked about them probably at the end of the third quarter report uh, that they had. Uh, so obviously, this is their Q4, reporting the numbers for Q4. 2018 for snapchat this was a better quarter overall they passed the 1 billion dollar mark for the first time they did 1.2 billion dollars in revenue uh, which is 36 percent uh, year over year growth and they also did manage to stabilize their daily active users at 186 million after the past few quarters it looked like it was dropping and could also it could be dropping faster um snapchat is still one of the biggest ad platform or i should say well social platforms and ad platforms for the under 35 uh age group but instagram has definitely taken a big chunk out of that it's just that the the problem with Snapchat for me, and and they didn't have a bad quarter by any means. Their their ad 
performance increased quite a bit. They're very much figuring out how to monetize their platform, but they're not seeing the user growth anymore. And Snapchat at one point was the fastest growing uh, social media company, if you remember a few years ago. But really, they just have not been able to compete with Instagram at at the same level and obviously it very much helps that Instagram has the backing and ad platform and ad targeting of Facebook the the digital marketing behemoth but Snapchat the biggest problem and this is more on a stock price thing than anything else is just that this company was sought at one point to be worth 25 billion or more 30 billion and now, I don't know if they're even worth much more than, say, maybe 10 at the most, which is a big, it's a pretty big cut. Now, don't get me wrong, a $10 billion company is still incredibly successful, but this is what happens when you have these massive expectations and then you don't meet them. And they're going to continue to grow their revenues, I'm sure, and they're going to continue to figure out ways to monetize. But the problem, too, is if you kind of over monetize and you put all your focus on just how do we make money off of our current users you're going to take away from the potential growth of adding new users and user growth in the social media world is the biggest metric it's the thing that matters most because monetization is easier than user growth a lot of people can figure out how to make money once they have hundreds of millions of eyeballs the challenge is getting hundreds of millions of eyeballs and the biggest hurdle for them is just the fact that in the past year their daily active users have been flat they've basically been right around the mid 180 million mark uh, 185 186 188 around there they have not seen any growth and there's not really any sign of growth. And so I really think that Snapchat is kind of becoming the next Twitter. And Twitter I've talked a lot about too. Twitter is bigger. Twitter has 340-ish million uh, users. It's always kind of in that 330, 340 range. But they can't quite seem to escape that range. They grew, 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 grew. They hit that range and then stopped growing. And that was it. They have not grown since. It's been years of stagnation now for Twitter. And again, Twitter is making more money than ever revenue-wise and profit-wise. But it doesn't really matter because, again, Twitter is another company that was valued uh 25 30 billion even above 30 billion at one point i believe and i mentioned in a podcast last june that if they don't find a way to grow and i kind of gave strategies of how twitter could grow that their stock price could easily drop 50 percent or more because of just you know at the end of the day these companies are valued for their growth but the second that growth goes away you just become like any other cash flow company and so maybe they're valued at 10 to 15 times their cash flow which in twitter's case would make them worth somewhere in the maybe 12 to 15 billion range not in the north of 30 range that's why i said that they could drop 50 percent and we've seen since then i haven't checked their market cap recently actually let me pause and just check it real quick right now okay so they're around the 23 billion dollar mark so they have dropped over 20% since I made that podcast. And uh, that's not surprising to me at all because of what I said. They're not growing anymore. And this is the biggest concern. 
And the challenge too for both Snapchat and Twitter is that their ad platforms are very limited and not incredibly cost effective compared to their competitors, compared to Facebook and Instagram, compared to, as I discussed now, Amazon rising up, compared to Google search, right? It's just not quite as economical, right? We're an ad agency where we advise companies on where to spend their marketing dollars all the time and we don't really recommend Twitter and Snapchat very often unless we have a specific company that is very much targeting young people, then maybe I'll go with uh, some Snapchat ads. But really, even then, I would probably just focus more on Instagram because Instagram is really the winner for the young market, which is not what people expected even two years ago. Snapchat was the, the big, big, big young person's social media and it still is big with young people don't get me wrong and at one point i think two-thirds of the u.s youth meaning i think under 20 or under 21 were using snapchat over 30 minutes a day which is pretty insane and that's just not the case anymore they've really dropped with the youth as far as usage rates and as far as daily active users they've stopped that growth and they have not grown into older generations, which is what a lot of people were betting on. That's what happened with Instagram, right? Instagram is very much a young person's platform when it started out. But then obviously now it's grown. And some of the biggest user segments on Instagram are 40 and 50 year olds. Snapchat has not been able to do that. So I've discussed both of these companies, Snapchat and Twitter a lot, about different things they can try to do. Um, I said Snapchat's biggest mistake was not trying to work with influencers like Instagram did, like YouTube kind of did, um, and that was their biggest mistake, and they kind of started doing that too late, and even now they're not great at it, and yeah, I just, there's a lot of things that these companies could do, but I think both of them lack a sense of clear direction and action, I, and obviously, listen, it's very easy to stand from the outside and criticize and i'm not trying to criticize i'm just being very clear and trying to be very direct in saying that these companies have to do something to continue their growth and i mean radical because if they don't keep growing they're gonna be taking massive share price losses and in the uh, tech world share prices is what people count on that's what people care about most it's their equity how much is your equity worth and if your equity is going to drop 50 percent or more then people employees are going to start finding new jobs people are not going to want to go work for your company it's just how things work so it's not easy but so far, as we look at these Q1 or Q4 numbers, it doesn't look like either of these companies have really made any of the strides necessary that I've been discussing for a year now uh, that they need to make if they want to get back to being the high-flying companies that they once were. Okay, let's talk about the biggest story of this week. Because, and I think it's the biggest story because I think it could have the, a major impact on the podcasting world. And that is Spotify 
no longer being a music company, but being an audio company. And what does that mean? Well, they made two big acquisitions in the podcasting space. They acquired Gimlet Media, which is a podcasting uh, media company, obviously kind of by the name, that makes a lot of popular podcasts. Maybe even some of you who listen now also listen to some of their podcasts. Uh, but they also acquired the podcasting platform a anchor if you don't know what anchor is it's basically a platform that does two things one it makes it easier for anybody to make a podcast you can actually just record on your phone you can add some intro music make some cuts it it, it makes you it allows anyone to podcast on the fly type of thing if you don't have a whole setup and then it also uh, what the the bigger feature that they're working on was building an ad network for podcasting which i've been discussing ad nauseum for a long time that the biggest thing that podcasting is missing is a a back-end monetization uh network and that's what anchor was trying to build and they were building and now spotify has acquired them which is a very big deal when i saw that i said this makes a lot of sense and uh in spotify's blog post the ceo he said that they want to focus a lot on podcasting and i've been noticing spotify because i'm a spotify user for music and have been for years uh, and i've been noticing it. it's funny over the past probably i don't know six months or so they've really been kind of trying to push the podcasting more and more in in spotify users faces um which i don't know what kind of reception that's received from people who are purely music lovers i don't know as a podcaster and a podcast listener, uh, I don't mind. I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But like one example is like if you go to the browse page on Spotify now, uh, they have the like top charts, discover, uh, music videos, things like that. But the very first thing on the browse page now, above all of those other things, and this is, a, you know, a music app after all. They, I know they're an audio company, whatever. But at the end of the day, people, most the I would guess that 99% of the people who have Spotify aren't there for the podcast, or at least not initially. Uh, but at the top of the browse page is now podcasts. Above everything else, above the top charts, above music videos, above discovering new music, above all of that, number one is podcasts and has been. And I actually noticed that a few months ago. And it obviously it makes sense. I think Snapchat or Snapchat... Different company. We're on the next topic. Spotify realizes that we or that they need to pivot out of the music business as their primary revenue driver. Now, obviously, they're going to keep music. They have an amazing platform and they are profitable, but they need to do something else if they want to continue driving profit growth because we've i've discussed many times before in this podcast that because they have to pay royalties for all of the music that they use and that gets listened to on their platform spotify has variable costs which is not good you don't want to have variable costs you want to have fixed costs and you know i guess you could compare them to say youtube YouTube kind of has fixed costs. You create the platform, and then the only, I mean, you have variable costs with the host server hosting. Obviously, the more uh, 
you know, content is uploaded to YouTube, the more they're going to spend on server hosting. But the money they make in ad revenue far outpaces the money they're spending on server hosting. In the case of Spotify, it's not the case. Uh, basically, every time their revenue goes up, their costs go up almost in lockstep because they're having to pay those royalties for the music. So anyways, I've discussed this uh, dilemma for Spotify a lot before, and you can go back to older podcasts if you want to see me talk more in depth. But the point is that Spotify is trying to get into the podcasting space because they, I think, want to be the YouTube of podcasts. And I've been saying for a long time that the podcasting space needs this. The podcasting space needs a YouTube of podcasts. What does that mean? What has YouTube, what did YouTube do for video entertainment that Spotify can now do for podcast and audio entertainment? And that is that YouTube created a central platform where the majority of people who go to watch videos on the internet go to. Uh, and that, you know, right, it's Netflix, or not Netflix, people go to Netflix too, but as far as, it's, it's different for Netflix, but as far as video entertainment from like independent creators and random videos, you go to YouTube. But bigger than that is they created a centralized ad platform where anyone who makes video entertainment online can now go monetize their content very easily without having to have any relationships with ad companies or ad agencies or any middlemen, anything like that. They just created an auction platform where advertisers can go in and say, I want to target people with these interests. And so if someone, if someone targets someone like me who has interest in uh, business and tech news and NBA basketball, then when I go to watch my NBA basketball highlights on YouTube, then I'm going to get some uh, tech uh, ad before I watch the video. And that's exactly how it works. And so any independent creator can now monetize their audience and people are going to target their audience based on their interests and that creator can now make money. Podcasting does not have this. Podcasting does not have a centralized uh, platform. And that's a good and a bad thing in a way. Um, But mostly, I'd have to say it's kind of bad. Because right, so right now, like this podcast, we make it available on iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and SoundCloud and Overcast and Stitcher and all these different places. Because... You have to, right? We have to because that's where all these different people listen to podcasts. But now, maybe in the future, we'll focus a little more on Spotify because they're going to have that central ad platform. The other thing that Spotify has that it really, this move makes a lot of sense because I've been saying this for a long time that there needs to be a central monetization platform because really that's the biggest challenge and I actually talked about this if you go back to my biggest marketing opportunities of 2019 video which came out about a month ago now I talked specifically about how podcasting is a major marketing opportunity because of the fact that it is so disjointed because there is no central platform the only people who it's easy to get advertisers is the big big podcasts the uh, Joe Rogans, the big podcast networks, uh, you know, the 
or companies who come from other big mediums and already have advertisers like ESPN or uh, NPR or whatever, right? And they're able to bring advertisers that they already have or New York Times, right? And bring them onto the podcasting platform. They already have those relationships. But the far majority of podcasters do not have those relationships. And they also don't have huge, massive audiences where they just have advertisers coming to them all the time. And so because of this, I said that podcast ad space, um, ad buys are very underpriced because selling any ad is better than selling no ads and leave having empty ad space. You know, if they sell it for, if really the going rate is say $25 per thousand listeners, but they can't fill that at $25 per thousand listeners, and you come swooping in and say, hey, listen, I'll just give you $10 per thousand listeners, they're going to take it because revenue in that ad spot, any revenue is going to be better than none. And a lot of times podcasters end up with none because there is no centralized ad platform. And I'm not saying, obviously, this is still a long-term development for Spotify. It's not like overnight they're just going to have a massive ad platform for podcasting. But the combination of Anchor, the company they acquired that was already building this ad network on top of the fact that they're doing what YouTube did, which is make it really easy to upload and distribute your video content, just like you can take a video on your phone and then upload it immediately to YouTube. You're going to now be able to record. Anybody can record a podcast from their phone. They make it pretty easy to edit and uh use music. Obviously, we don't use that and a lot of, you know, bigger podcasts don't do that because it's still limited in the quality like anything else. Obviously, you know, if you're doing everything from your phone, obviously the audio quality is not going to be as good and the editing is not going to be as uh, easy or as capable as if you're using an actual editing software. But for people who are just looking to get started, it's perfect, right? There's not a big upfront investment. You literally just use your phone to record the podcast. And then maybe once you get a little traction, then you decide to invest in maybe a microphone and some editing software, right? That's the opportunity that Spotify has in front of itself right now. But the reason why it makes so much sense for Spotify to do this above any other company is because or again, I guess it gives them the advantage over any other startup because there are startups that have tried doing this but none have really succeeded, is that they already have 200 million users on their platform that, like I said, they can kind of nudge and push towards podcasts a little bit. Uh, you know, they're at the, when you go to browse, you say, oh, what are these new podcasts? And especially when they have uh, acquiring Gimlet, like I said before, I assume they're going to use that for kind of exclusive content type of thing, like a Netflix thing. Gimlet has, you know, they they make pretty good podcasts. So if they start doing exclusive podcasts that you can only listen to on Spotify, I'm sure that a lot of their listeners are going to be willing to move over to Spotify away from other ad platforms or away from other podcast platforms to listen to their content but the anchor thing is bigger to me and as i was saying they already have 200 million users who listen who use spotify to listen to music and a lot of podcasts as well 
But not only that, they already have their own built-in ad platform with tons of advertisers and advertising dollars. Last year, Spotify did over $600 million in advertising revenue. That's more than the entire podcasting industry did combined last year. And Spotify did that alone. So that is the power that Spotify has. They already have connections with advertisers. They already have an ad platform that they can now build out even more. If they have more and more podcasts uploaded, they can get more and more user data and get what people are interested in, which helps them on the music front too because the big thing that Spotify doesn't have is user targeting you don't really know right you can target people who listen to hip-hop music or country music but that's not super great targeting but now if they find someone who listens to hip-hop and business podcasts and cooking podcasts that's a pretty specific niche that if you have a business that applies to that that you can now advertise to. So there's a lot of opportunity here that it makes a lot of sense for Spotify. And I'm actually excited for this because I've been discussing for so long that the podcasting industry is not even close to where it could be because of the lack of a great platform. And again, Spotify isn't there yet. This is just the goal and where I see them going and where kind of their CEO has said that they want to go. And I think this is a very, very smart move. Spotify said, I think it was two years ago now, kind of famously, they want to be the Netflix of audio. This is very much the move that you need to make to become the Netflix of audio. I think they're making the right move. I think this is very smart. I think this is great for the podcasting space. And I think that it's going to open up the opportunity for a lot more podcasters and creators, just like we saw with YouTube. You know, before YouTube, there were not that many people making video content. Once YouTube came around, now everybody and their mother has a YouTube channel. But not only that, now there are literally millions of people making money through YouTube that never would have been able to make money before. And I think that will be the same case with podcasting if Spotify can figure this out. So that is a big, big news for podcasting. I'm excited to see how it goes over the next couple of years. Let me know your guys' thoughts. I'd be very interested. Obviously, you guys are podcast listeners. Uh, by the way, some podcast stats that I found out uh, that were quite interesting in the U.S., there are over 80 million uh, total podcast listeners weekly, but 50 million who listen every single day to at least one podcast. That's a lot of listening. And listen, I'm an avid podcast listener myself, but uh, yeah, I think that number could grow a lot once a major platform is available. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening as always, uh, leave a review on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. It really helps our show out. And check us out on Spotify. If you haven't already, search uh, MGR on Spotify. We should be the first one that comes up. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I will see you next week. <laughs>